0: Get ready, golf lovers. The boys are teed up and ready to go. Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. Welcome to Backspin, brought to you by Inside Golf Australia's most read golfing publication. With me in the studio, as always, my mate Gary Barter, just back from the States. guys. Yes, mate, it was good. Welcome back. Now, you were there with Nick Hardy?
1: I was. I was there with, I went to Scottsdale for a couple of days and... Work with Matt and Nick Hardy, and then we went across to Torrey Pines. So, yeah, got to spend a week with Nick, had a look at him on the golf course. Unbelievable golf course. Just Tor- tell you, tell us about Torrey Pines. Oh, it's, it, was, it was amazing. I've been there a couple of times before, but this this time, it looked like a US Open. The rough was up. Yeah. Fairways are tight. It doesn't blow as much as what, like, compared to the wind we get here. So, when it's blowing over there, it's it's still, there's a little bit, maybe 10, 15 uh, miles an hour, course was very strong, fast greens. Yeah, they're just,
0: standard was good over there too. What about the greens, the power? How can that work? How can how, how can Tory Pines not afford to have proper greens? <laughs> and Pebble Beach is power too, isn't it?
1: Yeah, look, as you, as you know, though, they, they're beautiful in the morning, but as the day gets on, that those different levels of grasses mm-hmm. start coming up. They're all pretty good these guys. They all putt well. You, you, you know, look at you look at those last couple of groups and the, on the Sunday they're all making 6 footers, 8 footers, mm, 4 mm. footers, 10 footers. So as the, as they say on the ad for the PJ2 of these guys are good. Mm, yeah. And and Nick Hardy has his progress. He hit the ball well. He was, I think he was like about third or fourth in strokes gained from the tee, proximity to green, up there
0: in greens and He can play then. He can, he can he strike can, it.
1: Yeah, he just didn't, he didn't make that many putts. But in, in fairness, he probably, he hit a lot of greens, but his proximity to the hole wasn't great. So when you're getting a lot of 25, 30 footers, mm. you sort of feel like I'm not making anything. Mm. But the reality is, unless you're hitting it inside 10 feet,
0: so he... Yeah, I think this year he'll win. So yeah, there, there's okay. my there's my okay. call. Yeah, there's my call. Yeah, you, you 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 were you were talking about him a, a year or two ago to me. Yeah, uh, about how good this kid is and 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 how great it is to be part of that team. He could, oh, he's it's, got a good team too. It's hasn't fantastic. It? No, he's he's got a really good team. He's he's
1: well supported. More more importantly, I think he just loves playing and he yeah. loves competing. Like he's the sort of guy that on Tuesday he just can't wait to tee off on Thursday. Yeah. Whereas for you and I, it's like we're going to get hung. <laughs> yeah. It was like
0: <laughs> it was we're going to get stretched out. No, one of those. It, funny it,
1: it was like it was like oh my god, I'm,
0: and I'm beaten. I'm,
1: yeah. Like and we're having we're having dinner the night before thinking about the first tee shot yeah, and the out-of-bounds right. Yep. And, yeah. Yeah. Am I going to hit three wood and drop? <laughs> Yeah, the first tee shot at the lakes <laughs> absolutely on the tee. <laughs> no, I'm not ready. No, send someone else. <laughs> yeah, so he he just can't wait to get out there. It's fantastic.
0: Also, Gary Matty Jones is how's his form looking? Well, he hadn't played
1: since the Australian Open, and as we speak, he played the Saudi International. Just finished this morning. So I think he finished like about 50th or something. He was he was in the top 10 midway through the second he had round. Had a
0: bad third round, didn't he?
1: But I spoke to him and he just said he had to get a bit of rust out. Right. Just that's the one negative. Everyone talks about the Live Tour and how less golf, more mm. time for recovery, you know, more time to sort of spend with your family. That's, that's great. But when you're looking at sort of eight events last year in the whole season mm. and not playing every sort of three weeks. Not being allowed to play. And now the Aussie Open finished in December – so his his first event back, even even getting getting him ready with Nick at Scottsdale. Yeah, hitting balls, playing holes, whatever, it's still still not the same. The mm. scorecard in pocket golf, is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And all those That's the measure, isn't it? That's when
0: you find out how you
1: actually are playing. Yeah, so he'll he'll play again next week and then he'll play the first live event in Mexico.
0: Which, which will be is
1: good. Which will be good. In in a couple of, middle of February? Late February? It's in two weeks' time. Right, late February. From now. So I think he'll be good to go then from a competing point of view. Where is that, first of all? In me? Mexico. Right. Are yes. you all going? No, no. Are oh, you're not going? No, I'll go to the Players' Championship with Nick, mm-hmm. and then I'll go to Tucson, which is
0: the second live event right. after that. And what's the talk about Adelaide? Has is, 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 is Matt talked much about it? Or? Oh,
1: they're excited about playing. Your tickets are all sold out.
0: Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that.
1: So that's what I was thinking. Why would that be? Like, is there mm. a certain limit on people at the course? Because must be, mustn't cause it? Because you would think that. I, I don't. I was trying to work out how that could possibly happen. Because if you look at 09 when Tiger played at Kingston Heath and you you were there, mm-hmm. there was so many people, and you wonder if it's a restriction on whether it's a COVID restriction thing. I, I don't know, or maybe. I'm not sure how how many tickets they're limiting,
0: but to think if you get on the website, they're all sold out. Yeah, it is extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah. I remember when I played the Australian Masters, Frank Williams and David Inglis created that tournament. And I've since got to know Frank Williams really well. Um, And there was a. I played there one year, and it was extraordinary how many people were at that. You couldn't. well, I guess you could fit as more on the course. Well, it's, but like, it's like the President's Cup when you go to that. They said it was sold out. This, this particular okay. round was like round three, I think. Sellout was up on this big, massive screen. Um, and I said to Frank, like 20 years later, how do you define well, what's a sellout? And he said, it wasn't a sellout. We just put that up. So just, <laughs> it was just a PR thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the thing about it is, is we've, we've got quite a few members from the Australian that are travelling down there. And obviously, they book accommodation. They they you know they book their airfare, and then you think, oh well, I'll, I'll go and buy some tickets.
0: Oh, they did that before they bought. They couldn't get in.
1: And when you go on the Live website, and when you go on just you, you Google tickets for Live event, it says sold out. Mm. And you you can you can you can put your name down for a reserve, but.
0: Yeah, I find I found that quite interesting. Yeah, it's a big course, the Grange. I mean, it's not like it's narrow and tight no, like a huntingdale. It's no. it's
1: so whether it's, whether whether it's a marketing thing and they'll they'll mm. re-release tickets yeah, with yeah. a week to go. We don't know. You Maybe. going? You're going? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll I'm be going. going to that one. So that'll be that'll be
0: a really great event. Mm. Um, guys, we're talking to. Uh, we're interviewing uh, one of the most talked-about teenage golfers in the country, maybe even the world. This kid is a special, special talent. Jeff Guan is his name, so we'll be talking to Jeff. Um, you have an association with him? Yeah, he's amazing. He's a,
1: More amazing is he, he just keeps stepping up every age group. Often you think, oh, well, yeah, he's won the Australian mm-hmm. Schoolboys. Oh, he's won the Australian Junior. He's won the... U.S. junior players. He's you can't so, go through the list,
0: can you? I mean, you, it's, it's, you just can't do
1: it. It's, it's, it's similar, it's, yeah. It's similar to like an Adam Scott, Jason Day, yeah, yeah, Ryan Ruffles in the day, Ellis Smiley. You get all these kids that come through. Robert Allenby, all all these kids that come through. And that just not seem many. To be, when you say all these, that's no, it's not it, that, that many. No, it, it'd be like a, it'd be like someone every five or six years, yeah, maybe ten years.
0: Yeah, ten years would be more like it. I reckon. But he's yeah he's a special... We're talking to Jeff. We're also interviewing Russell Swanson, rules official, former tour player, um, contemporary, fantastic bloke, and possibly the world's nicest rules official. I've got to say. Yeah. So we're talking to Russ. He's going to tell some stories. He's going to explain to us how um, the what, what the system that is used for the players' series events in Australia, where women play against men on this for the same purse. And we've just seen Sarah Jane Smith just win at Coburn Barriga. So,
1: and she she played amazing though.
0: Oh, well. she can play.
1: Like I watched her her ball striking was almost it is flawless. Good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Sean Foley, pupil formerly. Yeah. So she worked with Sean for a long time, and then come back now to base herself in Australia, and now working with Grant Field. Mm, mm. And I think Grant's made a big
0: impact on a short game. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just just from my observation. It sounds like she's almost reborn, doesn't it? Like as a player, she lost her way, she lost a US Tour card, but seems like Grant has not only helped her golf swing, but her attitude, her her willingness to get out and have a bit of a crack again. Had the had the baby, um, and that's that. How tough must that be?
1: Yeah, I was watching, I was watching a play, and I'm I'm sort of looking at her face as she's walking down the fairway, and she was carrying around back or oh, pulling around. That's got to change. They've got to fix that. And maybe maybe she wanted to do that because I, I, I know that a lot of people would have offered to do that. Um, maybe she just was in some place
0: if we get to talk to her at some point mm. on the show. I tried to get her on. I couldn't, but we'll, we'll, yeah, maybe she's next fr- time. She's next probably
1: show. probably doing a lot of stuff today, this morning, after winning. But I looked at her face and she looked very calm. She, she looked very, very, very US tour. Just looked different to me. Like, she was very in a good place. Yeah, yeah, And And there were certain key shots that I noticed she got to, like, one in front, two in front, and there'd be certain key shots that I'd be thinking as a golf coach or as a someone that's looks at golf, gee, this is going to be interesting how she hits this mm, shot, and mm. she, she kept hitting just great shots. Yeah, yeah. She was pretty smart, pin high, just short of pin high, and always looked like she was going to win. And mm. in, the, in the end, she – and even that shot she hit into the last – yeah, yep. Like, she looked good and, yeah, did, and yeah. didn't get super go crazy excited when she won. Just, mm. it was like business, you know. I mean? So, yeah, I think she looks in a good
0: place, as you said. I wonder what she, her, her future, and we'll, we'll ask her when we get the chance to talk to her about where she goes from here, where she goes back to the States or goes somewhere Depends whether
1: she wants to go in that grind again.
0: Yeah. Because
1: it's, it's the lifestyle.
0: I remember I caddied a lot for, well, I caddied a few times for Lindsey Wright, um, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, Lindsay was a US tour player and uh, world world number 12. I think what might have been inside the top 10 at actually one point. Um, Hell of a player and a great girl, very Australian in terms of didn't over-celebrate, didn't didn't care what people thought or said or, you know, um, happy-go-lucky sort of thing. But she struggled big time playing the US tour. She disliked it a lot. And uh, she tried to play in Europe and the money wasn't enough there. So she 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 was at that level where, you know, if she'd have kept playing, she'd have won a lot of money. Mm. She was winning good money, but chose just to walk away from it because it just didn't suit her. She didn't like it. So there's um, I'm not sure whether that's an Aussie thing in America. I have heard there are some well Korean, Korean players that have made the same decision. They've got off the US tour when they had when they, when they were still exempt, and now play in Korea, their home homeland, for far less money, but very competitive tour. Um, so there's something in America that, that suits some and definitely not others, right? Yeah, well, um, Brendan Jones didn't like playing in the States. Yeah, there it is, another example. Yeah, perfect, yeah. And played for less money in Japan and dominated, didn't he? But not that he didn't like it because he couldn't compete. It was more just... Oh, he could definitely compete, yeah. yeah.
1: just just the fact that whatever the dynamic was, whether it was the camaraderie, whether it was the, yeah living living in the States... For Whatever reason he didn't really embrace it and mm. didn't enjoy it, and then if you if that's the case, you're not going to probably play your best golf anyway. You know Brandon, right? I don't know him well, I know him to say hello to, and, good and bloke. but he's a I tell you one thing, he's an amazing golfer,
0: yeah, isn't he? Isn't he?
1: Like, like, if you if you sort of if you grabbed if you grabbed 10 people in the street that were into their golf and and you you mentioned his name, they probably wouldn't even, yeah. really yeah. know his name, but his record. Inside the ropes, as we'd know,
0: mm.
1: is phenomenal, St- stunning. His yeah. Japanese career, yeah. just incredible, and and it's not like the Japanese too is a doddle. Mm. No, it's be, not at all. No, no it's it's
0: you got to be able to play some golf over there. I watched him play at the New South Wales Open a couple of years ago. Bonnie Doon beaten in the playoff by um, Jared Felton, um, and I well, I was talking to him, and um, without battering an eyelid, he said, "Yeah, Larry, yeah, yeah, you were you were a good player once, weren't you?" So he he won me over (laughs) straight away. I thought, you are the nicest guy. But we we talked in the clubhouse, we talked outside, um, and he is so down to earth. And another, I think another classic Australian where you you don't, you know, you you would be not repelled but not comfortable in that American cocky, um, you know, coming through college type gig where everyone just wants to belt you up um, you know, I, I, I sense that with, with some players that just aren't suited to playing in America, and I think Brendan's one, as you said. Good example. Guys, also, your tip, which is a secret. not telling listeners so I'm going to spring it on you. And um, the spit. I watched some uh, some fantastic golf last Sunday, played in Dubai, Rory McIlroy, Patrick Reed, Great for the game. I don't care about all the things that were going on around it, all the stuff on social media, all the ugly live versus PJ Tour stuff. Just watching that. Was brilliant, and and the game is a better place for it. Mm. And I just want to. And, but there's so many critics about what happened that day. Um, they're missing the point. As far as I'm concerned, Gaz. After this break, we'll be back. The Backspin Interview. Thanks to Inside Golf. Well, Gaz, if I was going to go through all the achievements of this young bloke we're about to talk to, Jeffrey Guan, he would be probably on a plane traveling to somewhere else to win in yet another junior championship. So I think we just go straight to Jeff. G'day, Jeff, Larry, and Gary here, mate. How are you? As you probably heard me say, there's just too many things to go through what you've achieved already at, at such a young age. Gary's got some questions, I do too. Let's kick it off with how you started in, in the game. Jeff. how old were you and, and what drew you to the game?
2: I started when I was about four. My dad actually played the game before I was born, so it took me to a range one day and that's how I started. So,
1: so mate, you started at Bexley? Uh, yes, I did, yeah. Great little public course in, in Sydney. All those little tracks, we've had some great players come from, you know, not so-called championship golf courses, and they, they really sort of, I suppose, promote great short games as well.
2: It does help. Definitely a course where you have to keep it straight, and greens aren't pretty big, so if you do miss it, then you have to rely on your short game.
1: And as Larry said before, like your record, obviously we're having
0: a quick look at it now. Well, it's not a quick look, is it? I mean, it's a, it's a long... Hard. Well,
1: even just the last four months, like winning the Australian Junior at the Vines... You won the U.S. Junior Players 16 under par at Sawgrass, which is phenomenal. Like, obviously, I've been to Sawgrass. People see Sawgrass on the TV where they play the players. That famous 17th hole, the Island Green, such a great test of golf. And to shoot that number and eight under par in the last round, 64. Wow which is unbelievable. That is extraordinary. I, I, yeah, We're I, talking
0: I, about a kid. I couldn't even have eight under par on the putting green. Oh, I wouldn't think. It's a tough putting green there too, I believe. Yeah, some water well, carries. Yeah.
1: Up. So um, And then playing the Junior President's Cup, but also fourth in the Western Australian Open pro event. What did it feel like? Because obviously that, that's the level you're going to be moving into. What did that feel but, like? What did you think of the players at that week?
2: I haven't really had any really good finishes the past couple of few years during the pro world. I guess that's the, the first one where I played quite well. The course kind did suit me that week, I think. It was a pretty tight course. It was at uh, Western Australian Golf Club. And greens were running really pure. So rolled a couple in and I think I gained a lot of confidence from, from that event. And I'd just like to take take that confidence into the next couple of events and play it out. I thought that competition between the pros, I think, obviously you have to have a couple of low scores every day. But it's definitely doable after playing that, that event, I think.
1: So there's no intimidation yeah. moving forward. As far as the game and your game, And obviously you're coming out of junior golf, even just playing probably the last four or five years, playing junior golf every time you turn up, you're the favourite. What sort of mindset do you have as going into any event like the favourite? Tiger would have experienced that, Nicholas, I suppose all the great players at all different levels. How do you handle those expectations when you go in?
2: I don't really think about that much. Whenever I go into an event, I focus mainly on the course first so that prior to the couple of days, I I make sure to have at least two practice rounds on the course and know the right spots and know know where where I can and can't miss it. I guess I just really focus myself on towards that course management. That's a really strong part of my game, I think, Um, and I use that to my advantage without really thinking about
1: scores. Speaking so the general golfing community, one of the things that comes up about Jeff Guan is that it's a, an old head on young shoulders. Is is that something that your dad has helped you with? You seem to be very, very mature. Your golf IQ is really high level at your age. Is that something that has been developed over a long period of time?
2: I think I've just been following my dad's footsteps. He's a very wise man. He loves to to take everything, compare it to real life, like so many so many novels and books and even videos. It gathers all these information and utilises it towards my, my goal. So that does really help. I think I gained a really strong mentality right from the start, right from a very young age.
0: Jeffrey, we often see your parents in that same role maybe overstep the mark a little bit. We've seen young phenoms become also rands because of it. Clearly, that's not the case with you. Clearly, there's a path your dad set up for you and, and it works with your personality.
2: Yeah, definitely. Is. My goals are practically the same. As my dad, and, and that's definitely to to make it to the tour one day and play to the best of my ability.
0: You are incredibly humble, mate, I've got to say. You realise how good you are, right? You do get it. It's what you've done. We're just looking at the list of what you've done and what clearly you're about to do. You are so humble. Thank you. You're welcome, mate. So,
1: Jeff, just to give us a little bit of an insight, you, you have a week off and you're not playing tournament golf. What's a normal week for, like, an elite player... What do you do with your time? Like, what sort of time do you put into your practice, to your strength and conditioning, to your playing? How does that week pan out?
2: It's all based on a schedule that I follow each day. They all have a set time limit. For example, could say Monday, wake up at 6.30 and then go head to the gym for maybe an hour and a half, work on specific parts of the body. Could be strength and conditioning, could be mobility, and then just be all, all set up, just so head to the course, range session, probably around three hours, and then... Shipping about hour and a half, and then depending on the putting, maybe around an hour. That's pretty standard day for that.
1: And then going to play, yeah. And and I was talking to Larry off air before how your short game is phenomenal, but you put in a lot of effort into that over the years, just with the different shots you're hitting and the different clubs using and the different trajectories and the in relation to the speed of the green. And you've developed quite a, a strict system. And is that something that uh, you think's helped you be more equipped out there playing?
2: Uh, definitely, because you do have days where you might feel like you're not feeling the best, not hitting the best, and to take heaps of pressure off is where those short game shots come in handy, and if you practice it quite a bit, and you kind of get a, a certain feel, or I should say like in, instinct uh, of the shot, then you feel less pressure hitting that, that chip shot, where, where you, need it. you need to make up and or down, or, or hit it close to the hole. So I think all the, all the systems that have built up uh, has really benefited me. Even where I was to land a born a certain spot, I think, all that comes from half-feel and and half-skill,
1: so. And with the modern game, you're coming through an era now where everyone's just smashing it off the tee, like they're just hitting it miles. I was at Torrey Pines last week, and it's very normal to look at a US tour player at 175, 180 miles an hour ball speed. And you've come from being a a small kid, and you're obviously getting stronger and you're now sort of at an entry level as far as distance goes. Is that just something that um, you're going to naturally just be patient with, or is it something that you've got to focus on moving forward, or you you don't see it as a big deal at the moment?
2: It's a bit of a hard question to answer, because I I think at the moment I'm, I'm getting it out there, like about 170 ball speed. My numbers are a bit weird. They're not really that Like, compared to tour average, it's really hard to compare. I average around 270 off the tee, and uh, that's pretty much enough for most courses that I'm playing in right now. But the longer courses, I might have to start focusing.
1: Look, I saw you play a practice round with Matt Jones and Justin Warren and Blake Winder at the Australian Open at Kingston Heath, and just seeing you... Play with those three, and was is obviously he would be considered pretty long. It's not like I'd look at you on the tee and see that you were any significantly shorter than those guys. Uh, as long as, as long as, as you said, as long as it's not a, a course that requires a lot of big force carries over fairway bunkers, it, it looks like eighty percent of the courses worldwide you could play now anyway, probably more.
2: Yes, that's correct.
1: Yeah, yeah so, um, but it it is everyone's everyone's hitting a long way, aren't they? Even even at junior level.
2: Yeah, heaps of heaps of juniors. Even the juniors at the Aussie, like Oliver, for example, he hits it pretty far.
0: there has got to be a balance of that, though, Gary, doesn't it? And, and and Jeff, there must be a balance where the evolution of your golf swing at such a young age—you're eighteen. Yes,
2: uh, yeah.
0: If you start changing your body significantly. In a hurry, and your body's still growing, you've got what skills you have with your golf swing might diminish somewhat. So I'm sure you're getting good advice on how. Yeah,
1: no, it's a it's a battle because you've got that reality. They're all hitting it a lot longer mm. now, and you you can hit the ball further, but the integrity of your technique can be compromised. So there's a point of diminishing returns where someone starts hitting it further. Mm. But then their, their accuracy, the dispersion pattern, their spin, it gets worse. You've got to work out that balance between helping them develop within a, a good integrity of movements and not
0: just go crazy for length the wrong way. Jeff, there's a, a Korean guy on the playing on the US Tour uh, you, you're familiar with, Tom Kim. He's yep. won twice already at a very young age. How, how would your distance compare to him now? Have you looked at his stats? Because he's not very long, is he? I don't
2: think so. If anything, I might be hitting it just slightly further than him. Mm.
0: Well, that's a good point, isn't it? Yeah, he's the next
1: phenom, isn't he? On the tour, he's twenty. Yeah, it's incredible. So, look, you always get you always get someone come along every five, six, ten years that is a phenom. And Tom Kim has obviously got that maturity, the game, the mindset to play at that level to win on the PG Tour, which is pretty amazing. With Jeff moving forward. What would be your, I was, I was thinking about, um, just to give the listeners some insight, the PGA have in place like a rookie program, don't they, for amateurs that play pro events, don't they get a certain amount of value of points for moving forward, turning pro, could you explain that for us?
2: I can't really think off the top of my head, it's like an auto merit for the amateurs that we can take part in as well. I think it's the same points, same rankings as uh, normally the pros on tour, and I think, finish top 50 inside that order of merit then you get like an automatic card into next year or next next season so
1: that's on our that's Australian tour
2: yeah on the Australian tour yeah and then if you manage to finish like crawl your way into top 3 which is pretty tough considering you don't get much tournament but if you manage to uh, according to top three, then I think it's a European tour card.
1: Where do you sit at the moment? Because I know you've only played a limited number of pro events. Where do you sit at the moment?
2: I've got one counting tournament and I'm sitting around
1: 60. Do they separate just the amateurs as well or are you included in the overall order merit?
2: Our names aren't on the list for the order merit, but it, it kind of is. Like it, It's like a ghost name I would say. Okay. Um, and you won't see it because we're amateurs, but uh, we, we are part of that um, Order
0: of merit. Is that the path you would be taking, Jeff? If you gain that that card in Europe, would you go straight there?
2: Most likely, I I have planned an overseas trip this year to Europe and US just to compete at the amateur level. But if I can get a, a couple more starts and play well, uh, finish top fifty, maybe that could be the path I'll be taking.
1: Okay, no college golf for uh, Jeff. Uh, No, (laughs) not for me. (laughs) You got some good offers, though? You must have.
2: I I have had a couple, but I've just declined and told them I'll be taking a year off.
0: Why have you declined, Jeff?
2: I just feel like I have a lot more time if I'm back here in the show just to practice, obviously to see Gaz as well, and then probably better my chances into turning pro quicker and
1: playing better. You're going to get looked after. You're obviously New South Wales high performance. You've got, obviously, a good team around you. It is that battle between... Having that versus the week in, week out competitive US college schedule. But with your position, Golf Australia, Golf New South Wales, they'll be supporting you to play plenty of competition golf anyway, I presume. That's right, yeah. What would be the breakup, Jeff, w- with the support? Would it be mainly Golf New South Wales or would it be, how does it, how, or are they or are they sort of linked together?
2: All the national events, most likely Golf New South Wales for me. But if it's international, it's probably going to be Golf Australia.
1: And with the high-performance program, is that one morning a week, two mornings a week? How does that work?
2: I think for me now, now that I'm out of school, it's uh, two two mornings a week. So it's on the Monday and Friday. On the other day, separate days, you, you try to just work on your program yourself at your own gym.
0: Nice. He stops. He stops a sentence just bang. It's beautiful. It's gold. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so, Jeff, ultimately, and I know you're humble. We've discussed that, and you won't say, I'm going to be the greatest player ever. And I think there's a chance you could become one of the greatest. But where do you see yourself in, in five years?
2: I'm hoping to see myself in the top ranking on tour and playing well, obviously, week in, week out. I think just for now, I'd going to focus on the
0: upcoming tournaments before yeah, yeah, i even yeah. think about the next
2: couple of years ultimately pga tour yes
0: most likely thanks jeff you, you've been fantastic mate it's an honor to talk to you at before you're uh world famous and then we won't get um, we won't be able to get to you if your manager <laughs> will stop us but thanks jeff thanks for being part of our show and uh, we look forward we're intrigued with your progress more 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 of appropriate i think Thanks, guys. Thank you, thank
2: you guys. Thanks, thank, Jeff. Thank you,
0: Jeff. Thanks to Inside Golf. This is Backspin. <laughs> Gary, we talked about one of the most talked about young golfers on the planet in Jeffrey Garn. Um, I think it's time we talked about one of the most talked about rules officials in the game. Russell Swanson. Every time I watch a TV show, Russell's there. Russell gets a mention. He's a former tour player. He's a he's a rules official, as we said, and he's on the line right now. G'day, Swano. Hi guys. <laughs> Thanks for being part of Backspin, mate. We, was, we were just watching the Players Series event down on uh, Cobram Baruga. Your yes. name was mentioned yet again, giving drops out from G U R. Nice, friendly really. Drops, yes, yes, by oh Mark gosh. Allen. Um, so, did
3: I get it right? Should I get it
0: right? oh, you always you always get it right. Some would say Russell might be too nice for his job. Gary, do you agree? I think so. No, he's not easy. Really?
1: You know why? Cuz he's next to a player. Yeah. So there's that feels there's, the pain. There's
0: that bit there that you won't let anything go. He will if he, if he can find it in his heart to give you a drop he will. As opposed to some of the others yes. like Langer's or or, uh-huh. or Scotty, ruthless. Oh, yeah, yeah, but
3: they're we're there to help
0: under the rules. We're there to help under the rules. Yeah. yeah. See that this is this, this is Swano's always mm. his catch cry. Swano, yeah. we were talking about Sarah Jane Smith winning down at uh, Cobram Baruga in the Players Series, yeah. and uh, Great. that's magnificent victory. And, and we're big supporters of that series of, of tournaments. Gary and I share the love for that because it's keeping the game alive. It's keeping it fresh. It's changing. Yes. It's modernising, yes. and it's being sponsored. And I think it's being sponsored a lot because of the format. Would you agree? Oh, of
3: course, of course. I, I think both tours would struggle without this format. Yeah. You uh, I don't know the ins and outs, but yeah, I agree. It's a great format. I mean, I think Graham Scott, Karen Lunn and the clubs have done a great job in trying to parity the, the key markers, mm. you know, trying to get some equality with the the second shots into into the par fours and obviously the par threes and par fives. And I think, you know, obviously there's swings and roundabouts, you know, where some get a bit of an advantage because obviously the shape of the hole or they're up and down or whatever it is. But all in all, I think the stats show that, you know, they've, they've got it pretty right, you know, and they've, they've done a great job.
0: Can you explain the actual system, how it's done?
3: Look, I'm not involved in that. Like I said, Graham and Karen and the clubs, I think at the end of the day, they just sort of like get get an average of what the girls hit it and an average of what the boys do it. Obviously, there's are shorter hitters, longer hitters, but they get an average. And the whole idea is to, like I said, try and get what the boys would hit him for the second shot into a par four, the the girls as well. You know, like so obviously the girls will get an advantage off the tee, obviously uh, uh, not being as strong. And obviously... We need them to be in front of the boys because gee, they don't hit their eight iron as far as the boys hit their eight iron. So we need them to still be in front to have some sort of quality in it. But then again, then we've got to sort of like judge the, the whole locations because the girls don't put quite as much spin on it. So we've got to maybe not be as tight with the pins. So we just sort of like shimmy out a yard or two to give them some, some room. So if we, we go back to the hotel over the night time and we're... Were there for hours trying to work out locations and, and whatever to try and you know get get some sort of level playing field and mm. I think you know we're, we're, I think we're, we've done pretty good.
0: There's a hell of a lot goes into it that people don't see. Yeah, isn't
3: there, it?
1: Is, yeah. there is definitely Bonnie Doon. It probably sets up a little bit better for the guys. Obviously last week I, I, it set up a little bit better for the girls. But to get I, I the, to get that I, algorithm right must be brutal. Oh yeah.
3: Oh, it is. I mean, and and, and yeah, like I said, I mean, you know, all the PJs. Staff, I mean, we're there to help. We're just doing the best we can mm. to 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 give them something to play for, and also gives me a job for a week as well. <laughs> and,
0: uh, so, <laughs> at our wage, that's so, I mean, gold, isn't it, Russ?
3: Right? Yeah, I mean, you do get the odd complaint, but obviously, like anything, you're never going to keep everyone mm. happy. But I think at, at, at the end of the day, you know, we're doing the best we can, and we're, we're trying to, you know, give them something to play for. Otherwise, they'd be sitting on the couch at home doing nothing. So, so yeah.
1: So, Swanner, who plays the quickest or the fastest, the girls or the guys? Oh, that's controversial. Oh, look, Barter, GB. <laughs> look,
3: I think the girls are slower on the greens. The boys are quicker on the greens, even though they're, they're not great.
1: How is the pace of play? Is that something that's always on your mind out there? Is that something that oh, is tough?
3: Of course. I mean, at the, at the start of a week, we sort of like, have an idea. Like, if it's a straightforward par four, we, we, we work out 14 minutes. Um, If it's a strong par four, we work it out at roughly about 15 minutes. And then oh, okay. we equate to so like a walk from the green to the tea into that as well. So we come up with with a figure. Last week, I think we were a bit generous last week at um, Cobham Baruga, which is fine because I mean, it's all about the players, you know, they're putting on the show. I don't want to go out there and tell the guys and all the girls that, you know, please can you, you know keep up with the game ahead, you're, you're, you're a couple of minutes over. So it is a bit of a balancing act, and you know some of the players take it fine, some of them don't. That's the nature of
1: the beast, I suppose, you know. What I found quite refreshing too was that, and Blake Windred wouldn't mind me mentioning this, is that um, probably 12 months ago, Blake's very, very analytical... Del- deliberate. Oh, extreme. It was always the word we used to use, wasn't it? Peter yeah, it was always
0: deliberate, deliberate,
1: very deliberate. Dots all the I's, crosses all the T's. Mm, mm, yeah. But obviously, he was having a bit of a problem with his speed at play. It wasn't like you jump on him all the time and go penalty, penalty. You pulled him aside and said, "Look, how how can we help you? Like, can we?" And and even Blake yeah. Blake said to me that I believe it was you even would walk around with him in a practice round and sort of try to yeah. help him out. Oh, is that yeah. Right? Yeah, okay. so, yeah, so so yeah, from a like, from a perspective for the listeners, it's it's not like you're there and thinking we're going to tell this guy up. You, you're actually trying to help no, him. Not, and not Blake. At all. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. And I thought, I thought that was fantastic. And, and even, even Blake said to me when this was happening, he got me to go and watch him play three holes at the Aussie. And I just sat in a golf cart and I just watched him play three holes how he would play a tournament. And it only took me to the second green. I said, Blake, honestly, mate, someone's going to kill you. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I couldn't even watch it. How yeah. deliberate yeah. and analytical. He's you for this. No, it was quite, it was, it was no, but Blake, Blake's, he's a fantastic kid. And he started laughing. He started laughing, he started yeah. laughing and, and he said, yeah, look, I've got to try and improve this. So it, it was something that I had a bit of an insight to that I had no idea what was going yeah. on. He's definitely, I hope, you know, you're, you're out there watching him play, but I think he's really improved a lot.
3: I must admit, I, I remember having a chat with him at the Queensland I think It was last year, and he said exactly that. "Look, Blake, the last thing we want to do is be out there hounding you guys. Like you're, you're the." you're the actors you're the putting on the show so I don't want anything to do with it anyway so I just said to him look if you want to uh, dummy time you're doing a practice round or I've said that to several players when the draw comes out sometimes siren sounds and red and blue lights mm. <laughs> <Some of it,
1: laughs> the draw's out of a hat isn't it well
3: yeah that's you know, obviously how uh, it is yeah, like yeah. the first two days you know, <laughs> you know but obviously the, but sometimes uh, you know it's just you, you, and you just know the guys that have struggle with the pace of play and we just keep an eye on
1: them so Russell when Larry was always getting drawn at 220 in the <laughs> last, last round of an Australian Open. I wasn't quick, wasn't well, I? Was that an indicator of I off? wanted to be quick. I wanted to well, be
2: Well,
1: yeah, he's a play play so It, it, it was wasn't that he wasn't a marquee player.
0: <laughs> 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 I could have won majors. <laughs> if I had a decent put on in my career, I could have won <laughs> so many more tournaments. <laughs> yeah, the Tough Sloth. To that was my nickname, the was The Sloth. And I've, I've, I've fessed up now on, on air. Front of thousands ah. of listeners, Russ, this lot. Swano, ah. um, being a former player and a bloody good one, I must say. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, shit, yeah, you were. Oh, I can say shit, yeah. We were in this podcast. Absolutely. It's our podcast, yeah. yeah. Ah. Shit, yeah, you were a good oh, player. Has oh, that oh. that must help enormously, uh, Russ, with, with your uh, with your interaction with the players. Well,
3: sometimes tell if he trying to pull one over you, like, you know, I just say to them, I put it usually back on them if it's a a dodgy one. I mean, I know these guys are good, you know, but but at the end of the day, you know, if they're trying to get relief from a a car path and right next to their ball is a tree, I'd say, look, if that car path wasn't there, would you play that? And they'd look at me and go, no. i said, well, unfortunately, there's no relief. So Mm. so then we'd have to get him out some other way. But, um, yeah, look, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I think it does help because... You usually can tell when, when they're trying to, to, like, pull a switchy mm, on you. But mm. most, most of the boys are great. I mean, they're, they're good good young kids. And I, I love seeing them do well. And, you know, if I can help in any way, I'm, I'm there to help, you know, like pace of play or rules or whatever.
1: It is interesting with the real changes or amendments over the years. I was at Torrey Pines a couple of weeks ago, and greens were fast. It was windy. They've got a lot of power in them. And just for me, to see the players just walk up and start patting down the line. Yeah. Is, yeah, I've is, seen a
3: lot of that myself. No, it's yes. it's a it's yes. a ama-
1: it's amazing how yes much easier that is than when we're all playing. It just seems really weird for me to watch that. I know it's it's within yes. the rules. I know that's something that's
0: changed. There must be that a must, little that must little, slowed it down too. That must have slowed it down, Russ. Sorry, but that must have the, slowed down the pace of play as well, eh? Hey? Sure,
3: it has, and obviously um, distance measuring devices. We allow that at the smaller tournaments, so they they've got their book and their and their lasers, so they do both. So that. That tends to slow things up a bit as well. But but I like what they've done with some of the rules on, on the greens. I mean, it has made it a lot easier from a rules perspective. If, if things happen on the green, it's a lot easier and simplified to rule on. So, yeah, I, I do like what they've done on the green. So it's been good.
0: Do you see laser devices being the future on all Gosh, sorts of PJ tours?
3: I hope not. I mean, they're, they're oh. great if you've got a... Go to a, another fairway and you don't know what the distance is to a tree. Mm. You've got to chip it out or whatever it is. But, look, I'm a traditionalist. I like the books and doing, you know, if you do your homework, you know, you, I, I rather like that, really. Go, get, get the books and the lasers. And sometimes it's hard to pin it, get the flag properly, you know, uh, pace the play again. Get the book and pace it off to the dot or the sprinkler head and away you go.
0: Is that a common view, Russ, with rules officials?
3: I'm, I'm not quite sure to tell you the truth. Larry. I'm,
0: look,
1: I'm obviously I'd, I'd like something to happen to the ball. Oh, it's, yeah, a oh yeah. it's a different thing. Yeah, track. I'd like... Like, there's a... There's a yeah. I would, you know, talk about it being <laughs> yeah, okay. a traditionalist. Like, it's just a... Um, the game's in an interesting place now. Like, length is such a premium. There's yeah. still, that, obviously, that artistic element of the short game. But lasers, oh. I just find... Even just in in the development of, of young kids now, there's still a value in, in being able to sort of eyeball a target you know, have that in, intuitive feel for a distance, but mm. it looks like mm. that's the way it's going. I know you guys, yeah. um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, whether it's 12 months ago, took away the green reading books that were all, all the greens were yeah, lasered for all like the, yeah. yeah, for yeah. All, all the slope. That's fair enough. So yes. that was sort of a move in that area that sort of bit out of control, didn't it? Yeah,
3: let, let the player do his, uh, like, go to his skills of reading greens and, yeah, instead of getting someone else to, to map it so you know exactly how far it slopes, you know, mm. to the left, or the right, whatever. You're right about the, um, it's just amazing. I mean, I, I know I'm getting older and shorter, but when I'm doing set-up sometimes, I, I get out to what I think is a fairly strong hole, thinking, oh, well, i better be careful with the pin, you won't go too tight. And I, I'll say to the players while they're cracking, what are you hitting me here? They go, wedge, nine, nine. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Tighten <Tied laughs> okay. up, mate. Tighten, grow the rough end. <laughs> Russ, you've been around the world doing this stuff, haven't you?
3: I've done a, a couple of US Opens and a few, obviously, I don't, I used to do a, uh, a world golf event basically every year, which was great to go over there and work with, with the best. Really, I mean their, their attention to detail and obviously their budget over there at the big events is just mind boggling, and that's great. Obviously, to be amongst you know the best players in the world.
1: Yeah, Steve Rintoul's an Aussie. Yeah,
3: over there. Yeah, he's one of the big boys now. Yeah. Great guy, heaven Gary Young and and Bob Robbie Ware, and they're all fantastic guys over there. And obviously the European tour guys, fantastic. We work work a bit with them as well. So all good blokes, all all love the game. We've got a passion, you know. We're we're, we're blessed. We're blessed to be in a fantastic industry, and we get paid to do it. It's fantastic.
0: <laughs> I can't talk to you on air, Russ. You've given me clearance <laughs> on this to talk about it, not to well, any great well. degree, but the the Keegan Bradley. Jimenez. Yeah, yeah. Gig, you were the, And for the listeners, uh, it, it nearly turned into a fistfight. Russell was there trying to sort it out. It was bizarre, wasn't it? I was
3: still, um, still a little bit bad about but look, it was just a ruling and I had the ruling covered and then apparently there was an issue early on the round with yeah, Keegan and yep. Miguel and and, um,
0: they're two pretty volatile anyway, characters, Russ, aren't they, the two of them separately? I mean, they're two.
3: Apparently. Yeah, look, I, I, I don't I didn't know, you know. I was just trying to do the ruling. It was a yeah, bit yep. of an unusual ruling. They had to go through a couple of steps. When they got into each other, then I lost my way, and then I thought, geez, I'm oh, I'm just a guest over here. I'll call for the... I'll call
0: for the... <laughs> call, call for the referee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll call, call for the referee. I want know, a fair fight. Yeah, Back to yeah, your corners.
3: I wish I'd have, you know, looking back, I wish I'd have done things a bit differently. Yeah, yeah I, don't
0: think, I don't think it was anything to do with you, mate. That, that, I think that's just too volatile. <laughs> I man. think Keegan's Caddy, too, Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was, um, was a knob. I okay.
1: heard he. Yeah, yeah, well, he's. Once, he, you know, yeah, I, I, he was, a, I think he was pretty aggressive, protective. too. Yeah, he was pretty yeah. aggressive.
3: Oh, look, I've never seen the, the thing. I, I refuse
1: to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I okay. I've never seen it,
3: so. <laughs> um, but at the time, it was pretty uh yeah, and like I said, I, well,
0: I think that was fifteen, so nearly eight years ago. Yeah, right? God, yeah, that's
3: right.
0: Yeah. Anyway, here's what it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you must have some strange instances that you can share with us. That where someone is just arced up, or someone is not copying it well. Someone might be complaining uh, about someone yeah, look, else or something. Tell us well, something must, funny, yeah, um, Swanner. To... A, a
3: classic. A classic. Um, I
0: won't
3: mention the player's name, but. Um, oh, really. Uh, <laughs> um, it was years ago when I'd first started the Australian PGA seniors up at Pelican Waters. Yeah. Myself and Peter Hines. Peter's a good friend of mine. He used to work for the PG, yep, the executive yep. director, I think, in New South he was, anyway, yes. he was on one side of the course and I was on the other. So we've got this vast area. And I get a call to go over to the hole or wherever, Well, 14th hole at Pelican. And I get over there and everything's fine. Everything's gone. By the time I get there, it's all there's no one there. Or, and I'm just driving along, minding my own business, and the player comes up to me, says, "Oh, you should have seen what happened to me there. So I know, um I did this, 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 and this, but you can't hit a wrong ball in a hazard back then." Blah, blah, blah. and I said, "Oh, that doesn't sound right to me. What happened again?" Because he said something. Yeah, I've got to sort of like act. Mm-hmm. He said, "Oh, but I made, you know, and I made double." I said, "Oh, look." Anyway, so I called Langers up. And Langers is, he said, No, that sounds right, Swano. And I went, No, no, that's not right, Langers, it's not right. Anyway, I said to Dave, don't sign your card. He only had a couple of holes to go. And I could I rang Langers back and said, Langers, have you got an answer? And he said, Hang on a sec, I'm on I'm on the phone to Europe and he's talking to Andy McBee in Europe. Anyway, I could hear him going one, two, three, four, five. He kept kept going up and then then the penny dropped with me.
2: And
3: in the end I had to tell him he made twelve. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> he said I'm not making any more than
0: five and I went No. <laughs> You've slept seven on him. <laughs> good on you, Russ. Good, good oh, stuff. Poor bugger. <laughs> <laughs> he made,
3: I'm sorry. In the end he
0: made twelve. Uh, how were you when you were trying to explain that to him? <laughs> Did he, oh, he must yeah, have asked? He, he was, 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 yeah, was he a famous player? Can we can we was he a famous player?
3: No, well, he, he used to be able he to play back in the day, oh. yeah. and he's a lovely man. Because that night he rang me, and and it, it blew up obviously, and he rang me and apologised to his credit. And I like, I, I understand, and <laughs> I, I appreciate the calling, but he didn't have to do that. But, but to his credit, he did ring me back and apologise for the way he performed. But from a double bogey, you thought he had. He, I think he made <laughs> <play>. <laughs>
0: That's gold. Where yeah, were you yeah. when I was playing? Gary, where was Swano when we were playing? Well, he was playing with he, us. He was playing. And beating us the post. Yeah. And,
1: yeah. le- le- and, <laughs> and beating us left-handed. And
0: beating us left-handed.
3: But, Larry, you and I did our the great Cole Barnes.
0: Cole Barnes, yes, we did, mate. Yeah, yeah, Barnes. Yeah, God, God rest his soul. Yeah, wonderful yeah, man. Yeah, good legend. bloke.
3: I'm tell you, it, it, him and my dad are the two people i got to thank for who I am. You know, they're just, you know, great people, great people.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, obviously I can hear the emotion in your voice there, mate. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. Let's talk about your playing days, Russ. Um, you're, you were a very underrated player. You were always in the mix. At the end of the week, you're or towards the end oh, of the week, okay. you'd see your name up on the board quite really? often. I think I saw you in the last group at I can't the Coolum the Classic there one year, battling it out, yeah. I think, with, uh, I don't know who it was then, Roger Davis probably. Oh, I
3: did have a year? I remember that year. That was, that was probably yeah, you, didn't, didn't,
0: you, you had a chance to win the Masters, didn't you? Australian Masters.
3: Yeah, I think. Oh, look, I was up there a few times. I rather like Huntingdale, the old Huntingdale. I rather,
1: yeah,
0: rather
3: like that. I played played quite well there a few times. But that, yeah, look, top, I might have snuck into a top ten once or whatever it is. But oh. yeah, I rather like Huntingdale back in the day. Can we get
0: somebody who's not <laughs> humble on the show today, guys? We're, just, we're <laughs> talking to Jeffrey Guan, Russ, and no, I, uh, I
1: was I was actually talking to Swano about a month ago, and we were talking about how we need we he'd, need. He'd, no, he 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 he'd be the pro at. Was it Terrigal or or at um, Tugra, yeah yeah at I did both I was at Royal Royal I've been used to no but,
3: you, <laughs> no, but you'd, you'd be
1: the club pro and you'd 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 be in the shop for like seven months a year then you'd come and play our Aussie tour and then yeah. you'd 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 play great and then next minute you'd play full time again and then a couple of years later you'd be back in the pro shop again and then you'd be back well I think that at, was a weekly that was a monthly thing for Swanner. No, it was amazing how well. <laughs> He's on t- he's on TV
0: he's on TV this week and next week he's selling someone four four balls for ten dollars because they've lost.
1: Well, I must
3: admit, I used to get help from the members when I was there on Saturday, Sunday, and they, they what are you doing? here? Oh, I said, I
0: cut. <laughs> 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 yeah, that was that was the worst two days to work. when I was in the same boat. Yeah. Go back to your pro shop. Yeah, why are you here? Oh, I missed the bloody cut yeah. again. Yeah. and bars, bars.
3: Great <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> okay. day.
0: Just take the yeah, high set and back. get out of the shop. Get out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you won't see me next <laughs> weekend, I promise. <laughs> Russ, yeah, it's been on. a pleasure to have you on, mate. You're, you're one of the great hey. guys and one of the great characters. Oh, thank you. As I said, we just need to get someone on who's not humble. Well, we need Wayne Riley on next week. We'll, we'll, we'll get right He's on. nothing humble about Radar. He's a beauty. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get Raider right <laughs> <right> on. <laughs> yeah. Good on you, yeah. Russell. Thank you, mate. Thanks for being hey, on.
1: My pleasure, guys. All the best. See you, Good
0: mate. Backspin. <laughs> Gary, I've tried the new Callaway Paradigm golf clubs, particularly the driver. Because this is the product that has hit the ground running. It's, it's, it's uh, the most talked about golf club on the planet at the moment. And I know I'm, I'm a Callaway-sponsored player, so I often talk about Callaway for that reason. But I always try and be objective about the products I review. But in this case, this is something very special. The basic design of the Paradigm Driver is that it is a 360-degree circle of carbon, forged carbon, in, in fact, with titanium face, titanium back. So it is completely carbon from sole to top, which means carbon weighs way less than titanium, which is also very light, as you know. So they can move weight around like they've never been able to do it in the past. In this driver, and there's three types, there is the triple diamond, there's the X, and there's the normal one. I tried the normal one. I didn't have it properly fitted, but um, straight away I saw a result. I, I picked up... Definitely uh, more yardage and with a bit of a tweak to the loft, I got the flight I wanted. Uh, very easy to hit. But um, I think the, the, the big news with this paradigm driver is the fact that um, John Rahm used it to win the Century Tournament in, in Hawaii, first tournament of the year. The second week, the second tournament over there at uh, Honolulu was won by Siwoo Kim, who also used this driver. And then, of course, Rahm won the third event. Uh, using the same driver. So it's it's got massive legs um, and I was really in- interested when I received the fitting cart to, to see how it goes and it, it is it is a fascinating study in, in technology given that I've never seen, a, well there hasn't been a club with that complete circle of, of carbon. Yeah, the, the, I think the thing, obviously we're seeing new equipment come out all the time
1: and the latest always has some R&D that obviously we see in the advertising promo. But in the end, what's interesting is the players, they sort of vote in the end. And, and even though we can say that John Rahm used it, often there's a disconnect with, with us as just meat and potato amateur golfers playing the driver. But when I was in Torrey Pines a couple of weeks ago, JJ Spawn was all excited about the Paradigm Driver. So he's come from Ping and he said that he's getting eight miles an hour more
0: ball speed. And then the other thing that But in in this conversation isn't him being paid no. to tell No, he, he uh, you know, ten
1: thousand listeners. No, no, that was just that was just Off the cuff. Well, we were having dinner with JJ and Matt and he was all excited about the driver and I'm not I'm not really super into equipment myself. Mm. I probably don't appreciate it that much. But JJ was talking too, not only about the the distance, but just the the sound, yeah. like the acoustics yeah. off the face. Yeah. Now, one of the problems with a lot of the modern drivers is that they're they're obviously they're so light that you get that that sort of teeny click mm. off the club, mm. which isn't isn't something that sounds that great. But if the ball's going a long way, you can sort of not worry about it. But that that paradigm, I had a couple of, and I'm a time a titleist guy. Mm. That paradigm, I had a couple of hits with it on the weekend, and I hit the three wood, and it. They've definitely got something right with the the weight of it and the sound of it, and in the end, the ball speed mm. versus club head speed is exceptional. So, it looks it looks like different companies have their time too. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of years yep. ago, was everyone was using tailor-made. Yeah, yeah. Even even Scotty, uh, he played. Um, I think he played in Hawaii, and he was fiddling around with a couple of drivers, and he he felt that that was very stable. Now Scotty fiddles a lot. Mm. Yeah, you know, you'll see him d- using different different drivers at okay. different times. But it definitely
0: has. And he's just come off off contract with, t- with Titleist after what? Like, oh 20 yeah, but e- even
1: even a lot of these players that we see are contracted. They're mainly contracted with the the ball, the shoe, the glove, the hat, the bag. And often in their contracts, they might only have to have 10 clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes in that contract, it might stipulate they have to use the company's drivers, Some, mm. but often often not. So a lot of the players, like I think JJ uses Strix and Irons, uh, uses a Scotty Cameron putter. Mm. He uses um, a, parad- a paradigm driver at the moment. He was using a ping driver before. So at the moment, Callaway seem to have got it right.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Which is good news for them. Yeah, I was going to say I was going to talk about this. And my, my experience with it was the yeah the sound was 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 beautiful. Um, a, a mixed and, and the sound of a driver really it sounds like a wank, doesn't it? It sounds like a you want that you want that solid feel, but you do. You don't want a titty clicky Because I've had another driver, um, and I trialled it. I think a, a, nearly eighteen months ago. When we first did our... when I think we did our first show together. Um and it just sounded so bad but it just went so far and i used it and use it and then when i hit it, had a couple of bad rounds i thought i'm going to try something that doesn't sound like that anymore <laughs> you know it was just which is ludicrous and 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 i'm a perfect example of of the uh, of tinkering and fiddling with clubs for most often the wrong reasons but i couldn't listen to the sound of this any longer and people were commenting so i i took it out of my bag and i've been looking for a driver since um this paradigm will will definitely be be my driver. Also, given that I'm you know, having arrangement with Callaway as well, which which definitely helps. But Well you're lucky there. But even if I didn't, yes, even if I didn't, I, this driver is is just it's gonna, it's going to be going to break records. It's a special club. Golf club There's one in every few years that comes along, and this is one. Um, Tight uh, Taylor Made had the have the the carbon face, and we've known about that for a, a year or two, and that that break new ground. Well, Callaway
1: Callaway have they've liked the
0: carbon. If you look back at
1: their Evolution of their drivers. You're going back right, yeah, to 2005. Yeah, yeah. They've, the they've definitely been fiddling with a lot of carbon, mm-hmm. but now they seem to have dispersed the carbon and got the weight in the right spot. Yeah, but so they're all yeah they're they're far they're far more insightful than you and I in as far as their their center of gravity and their mm-hmm. mass and their there's there's obviously a lot of R and D goes into it must be quite exhausting, but they've
0: definitely produced something here that seems special. Mm. I haven't tried the irons. Uh, we have them sitting in the shop, but uh, there's, a, there's there's two irons. There's the X and the, the normal Paradigm iron, which is uh, the X is more cavity, uh, bigger face, a little more offset. Um, the other one is slightly blade-shaped, still still quite large. Um, so I'll have a try of those and, and, and review those as well. But uh, at the moment, uh, it was fascinating to see what all the, all the... Attention has been based on this driver and, and, and actually experiencing it and seeing how how good it is. It's uh, it's a it was a pleasure to use and uh, it, it's something that when you get to our age and you, let me let me just um, before I finish on it um, strongly suggest if anyone wants to try a driver doesn't matter what brand it is make sure you talk to someone before you make adjustments to it. Don't grab one off the shelf, a demo, and just take it out and say I don't like that. Because there are. Trust me, fifty different options for that one driver that you can you, you, if you get the right advice um, you can try and then that will that's the, that's the true measure of if this driver is for you or not mm. yeah, you, yeah
1: yeah' it's, it's pretty pretty simple with the with the technology we've got now with the trackman technology and you hit a couple of balls and you you look at your launch conditions mm and then they've got so st- much in it, isn't it? Yeah, there's an optimizer feature on TrackMan when you when you hit a ball, and you can you can look up, and even if you hit the ball well, it, it might say that if you produced 500 more spin and you launched it at two degrees higher, you'd gain another 17 meters, mm, mm. which is phenomenal, really. And then then the then the obviously the club loft can be adjusted or mm. a shaft can be adjusted, so you can yeah, as you said, if you just go and dr- buy one off the shelf. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll feel good, but you never know if it was fitted for you. Absolutely. You might, you might get
0: 15 metres. Yeah, yeah. So that's why it's important. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We'll be back uh, right after this. Backspin, thanks to Inside Golf. Guys, our tip of the week revolves around what? Oh, I just thought
1: it'd be good to talk about short game in just with our interview with Jeff and just the copious amount of time he spends in his short game and the time he puts into it, the clubs that he selects, the just the general surveillance of where the ball's landing, how far the ball's rolling out, and he's a highly skilled player. But I think that for all of us, within our own skill level, what what I found is pretty insightful when I'm coaching, and this can be a player of any level, from elite player through to a 30 handicapper, is that I get them... To hit five balls just with a basic chip shot, so we're talking about a chip shot that you've got to cover about fifteen feet of fairway before you reach the green. Nothing significant in front of you other than maybe a small mound, and I'll I'll get them to putt five balls from that spot, and then when we walk up to the pin, we total the distance of those five balls. Now that you know, for example, if they average six foot from the hole, that's thirty feet. And then I get them to hit five shots with a fifty six. And they've obviously you've got to land the ball just on the green then it rolls out and then you total up the distance. Now someone like a Cam Smith might look at that shot and think, gee, I'd like to use a sixty here and fly it. Yeah, all Cam the way up. Smith
0: isn't the only one that would look at that shot and go for the sixty, is it? I mean, yeah. As soon as someone gets a sixty in their, I've seen this a lot with with playing with Amateurs and Pro Ams. As soon as they get a sixty in their bag, they want to use it. They just feel like they have to use the 60 because the pros use it. So they, a shot that doesn't require the 60, they often go to it. Absolutely. it's not successful, is it?
1: And then you can have a chip and run with a five iron or a yep. seven iron yep. and, and run the ball up and and just get a gauge of what's best for you because even even at the highest level, and I've seen it on tour, I can see Matt Jones and Mark Leishman and Cam Smith, they can be all 10 yards off the green and it's a front left pin and Cam will hit a 60 and he'll hit it a foot from the hole. And obviously that's the most exciting mm. looking shot. And Mark Leishman will wander up there with a five iron mm. and roll it up mm. a foot from the hole. And Matt might hit a nine iron and bump it into the hill yeah. and bounce it up a foot from the hole. And they're, they're, they're three skillful players, but within, within their own skill level and what shot they like the most they know the best shot for Mm, them. mm. So I think that with anybody, for them to have their own favourite shot, so even if their mate goes, oh, you should be using this here, Mm, you should be doing this here, you should be... If you're good at a certain shot, it could be rolling up a hybrid, it could be... You might be great with a 60 Mm, and, and, mm. and good on you. So I would say that as a basic entry level to find out where you're at with your game and your skill level is to get a gauge and when you do that that five ball test you will quickly realize that gee, you know every time i chip with a seven iron mm. chip and run mm-hmm. it i'm only averaging about four foot from the hole yep. now with a 60 you might have hit two shots one foot from the hole but you might have chunked three in front of yourself and you add it up and you're, you're 70 feet away yeah because yep. it's it's the game is about not your best shot at the time it's 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 as good as your bad ones, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's, that's great that's, advice. That's where you that's where you're really measured because over the over the course of eighteen holes, it's what your consistency is for your dispersion pattern
0: on the on the club that and, you're using. And, and, and you don't need to hit a practice ball. You don't, don't need a lesson. You just can do it on your own. Yeah. Now it takes, a, takes ten minutes.
1: And then of course I'll 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 get a member who'll say to me, "But what about if I've got to chip it over a bunker? Yeah, yeah, yeah." Well then, then you have to use the fifty six or a sixty. You have to you have to get an understanding of how to how to hit that shot. But I think as a basically as you know, playing golf, eighty percent of our chips are not having to navigate yeah, that.
0: Yeah, 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 So that would be my tip. Yeah, that's a great tip. Yeah. So it, it's just playing into your strengths, no matter if you're off thirty five handicap or you're off plus thirty
1: five. Well, know. they're 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 the. They're the members that you'll often look at and think, gee, it's not like they hit the ball that well. But I play with him every week and he always has 38 points or 37 points. They know their
0: game. Yeah, exactly. And that's part of – that's an entry level of like knowing your game. Thanks, guys. It's time for a spit and we'll be right back with that. Thanks to Inside Golf, this is Backspin. Now, Gary, you were in America, I think, at the time when Patrick Reed and Rory McIlroy were battling it out in Dubai. i found it it happened to fall, the timing wise, international timing wise, it, it happened to fall on a mid-late afternoon on a Sunday. So I'm sitting in my lounge room having, having the, the day off, beer in hand watching what I thought was the best golf I'd seen in, in months and months. Um, the drama, the conflict between the the Live Golf and the PGA Tour was exposed Like it's earlier in the week where there was a at the tee gate incident, which was a complete nothing, but you could see the uh, there was there was drama building because of the two camps they come from. Because one is the bad guy, Patrick Reed is the bad guy, and Rory's the pinup up boy. So they're battling it out on this bloody tough golf course to win this golf tournament, and they both it was like they were motivating each other. Mm. It was brilliant to watch, and I, and I loved every second of it. And most of the people I've spoken to have seen it as just that, the same as I saw it as the best afternoon of golf we've had for a long time. But there's been some critics. It's become now the talk about the palm tree, the lost ball, Patrick Reed's history, live golf is horrible, how good it was that, that the PGA Tour slash Rory won. But I think those people are missing the point that no matter what happened, the peripherals what happened, and what, have, what, what has created this, this little tiny war, being a more, slightly larger war, I guess, between Liv and PJ Tua, has created this dramatic round of golf and everyone wanted to watch it. It, it. Most people were really excited by it. That's the important bit for me. And, and, and if anyone missed that, that's really sad.
1: Yeah, look, you, you can see that, that, that combative side of Reed and Rory. And, and we see them as, as as obviously very successful golfers, winning major championships, best players in the world. But just drawing back to the competitive nature between the two of them, and whether whether it is obviously more stimulated now with Rory's stance, with Reed supposedly on the dark side, to see that unfold, and I, I got to see the replay when I got home, and Rory... Did get lucky, too. That, yeah. That t shot yeah, on the last. On the last,
0: yes. Yeah,
1: yeah and Reed, Reed waiting in the clubhouse. And then for Rory then to hold that 15-footer to win.
0: How good was that putt? I mean, that thing turned well, that's, about four
1: feet. That's why they're champions. They they just step up at that time, which is exactly why they are, mm. why they're in that position
0: in the game. But Reed still a hell of a player, eh? Oh, he can play his pill, can't he? Oh, He's yeah. complete, isn't he? He's he got everything, every shot. He's just, he's just, he's just really hard, like really hard competitor. We've seen it in Ryder Cups, guys, and we've seen those two competing against each other in Ryder Cups. I mean, with the silencing stuff, shh, you know, the shushing. <laughs> 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 that, was, that was, and then Rory started doing the same. But that were the good old days when they maybe used to talk to each other. <laughs> so you think there's something good's come out of it? Oh, I think, and, it was just people, the and best, people, people have missed that. People are taking the, the 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 piss out of it, and and I and I, I think it was the. It was great for the game of golf. Forget the peripherals, the game of golf is a better game after us all watching that that final round.
1: Yeah, and hopefully they'll all, you know, in time, it hasn't happened as quickly as we thought, but hopefully in time there'll be more chance for them all to play together more consistently instead of just those four majors at the moment and the odd couple of
0: events that sort of cross over. And there's also talk now that um, the European Tour are allowing live players to play in the Ryder Cup. You know about that? No, I didn't hear that. Yeah, that's been announced, yeah. So, Luke Donald's got some really tough decisions to make now. And wow. That, yeah, tough one. Watch this space. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, that's our show. Thank you for being part Thanks, of it mate. again. And thank you listeners for listening. And we'll see you all again very soon.